Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Is that a new The Watcher behind you, Alan? Or has that been there all along and I just noticed that's, it? That's been there all along. That's why I bought those Build-A-Figures, just so I could have The Watcher behind me every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was he was he's, he like included in other action figures yeah so th- when the season one of what if came out it was captain carter star lord uh-huh. t'challa dr strange supreme um nebula but with the blonde hair oh right zombie slayer peter parker spider-man okay and i feel like i'm missing one. Oh, and sylvie from loki like she just got oh okay into the mix too they were yeah. the, they were the build of figures for the watcher I'm surprised you're just now noticing that. I've had him behind me for two years. Two years? Yes. No, just caught it. Literally just caught it. He hasn't been there in that exact spot the whole time, but he's been in mostly every other show that we do. <laughs> all right. Everyone listening, go back and watch all of our other shows and verify for me. Yes, I don't believe Alan. Why don't you do it? everybody welcome you have to watch this podcast i'm alan i'm ryan and i'm devin and welcome to the episode that will curl your toes uh we're talking about (laughs) 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 talking about best picture nominee for the oscars this year uh the holdovers starring paul giamatti uh this is devin's pick but before we get into that we uh usually start off with things that we watched in pop culture which we will do but I want to talk about some breaking news, guys. Uh, did you guys see the breaking news about Disney? I heard a breaking news about Disney and went, huh? So you got to tell me if it's what I think it is. Okay. Um, I didn't hear anything. What What do you think it is, Devin? Because I'm yeah. curious. <laughs> is it? Are they doing a sequel to Moana? That, 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 okay, so there were three Disney stories that we're going to talk about. <laughs> Moana 2 comes out in November, evidently. Who wanted um, this? Who's uh, asking Dwayne this? Johnson. <laughs> yeah, right. The first, I mean, th- but the first one was really, really good. Like, that's a movie I'll put on one. for, like, background yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, noise sometimes. So, no, I could see it. The, like, Black Adam opened in theaters and Dwayne Johnson went to Bob Iger and said, hey, can we do another one of those? I need some cash. Like... <laughs> Um, so that, that's one of the Disney stories that broke. Great. Uh, Ryan, do you want to take a guess at one of the other ones? Uh, I'm just going to throw something random at the wall. Is, is, is it a video game thing? Yes, it is. Actually. That is one of what? them. What? <laughs> you serious? Yes. <laughs> uh, what is it? Disney buys $1.5 billion stake in Epic Games to create expansive universe no. within Fortnite. What? Yeah. So okay. they're, they're, they're like, oh, the way, no. with the way Fortnite's going with the, the different hubs that they have now with the Battle Royale 
and the mute, the music stuff and the racing Disney's doing their own thing in there now too. Uh, so you'll be able to, you'll be able to play, um, the racing as like lightning McQueen, um, things like that. Um, so yeah, that, Hold that's, on. I, have, I have people to text. Yeah. Okay, Devin, so... I already know. <laughs> so I did see something earlier today and I'm going to send it to you guys, but I'm only going to be really excited about this. If they do their own fighting game, Mortal Kombat style, of Disney characters, specifically you, the princesses. I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to put the princess skins into Fortnite, but they already have. Like, it, this, this makes sense to me. They already have all the Marvel skins. They already have all the Star Wars stuff. Um, okay, that's fair. And, like, Epic Games is more than just Fortnite. It's also Unreal Engine, which is what's been doing the volume and the backgrounds okay. for the Mandalorian and all that stuff that they're filming with that. So it makes sense that they would invest in Epic games this much because they're already using the technology for all this other stuff outside of Fortnite. Fortnite's just a little bit of extra cash. Yeah. Um, all right. Who, who do you guys want to see? What Disney character you guys want to see most with a gun? And why is it Winnie the Pooh? No. Oh, bother. <laughs> <laughs> no. I I want it to be, and I don't know how to per, 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 uh, pronounce her name because I always feel like I'm saying elephant. Um, but the wit, uh, uh, Maleficent, the, the evil Maleficent. There we go. I want to yeah. see her with the gun. I know that doesn't really sound too much of a stress, but she's a but she's basically like like a sorceress. Okay. So her with a gun is funny. <laughs> um, so the the other Disney related news which ties back which which bear with me i've got a, i've got a theory guys oh uh, no taylor swift the errors tour taylor's version is coming to disney plus on march 15th oh what what does this mean is this like her side of it no it's the concert film coming oh. to disney plus i'm pretty sure it's just the extended cut they're calling okay. it taylor's version now because maybe they rearranged some songs um but if you, I don't know if you guys watched the Grammys this weekend, but there was some Taylor Swift news out of that. I saw that. She got um, the new album. album. She has yeah, a new Deadpool album coming out. Yeah. First track on the on the, the new album featuring Post Malone is called Fortnite. Guys, I think Taylor Swift is coming to Fortnite. What? <laughs> well, I mean, she might be. Ariana Grande was in Fortnite. Ariana Grande was, but like the between her special going to Disney Plus, Disney putting all this money into Epic Games, like it just right. makes sense. It just makes right. sense. Okay, I have a real question. Are you guys gonna watch the Taylor Swift Eras tour video? Because like I don't have a lot of like interest in Taylor Swift, but like because of the cultural impact, I feel like I gotta watch it. Oh, it'll be my pick the the week that it comes out. <laughs> I sure hope it is. That's the only way I'll watch it, to be yep. perfectly uh, honest. God, it's going to be forever, and, or it's going to go down in flames. And there's music of hers that I like. Like, there's a decent yeah. amount of stuff that I like from her. It's just, I'm not like... I, I would rather musical artists do movies like the Beatles and the Spice Girls did, where they basically play themselves in a like hyped up comedy role. I would rather watch oh. artists do that than like, look at this concert that I filmed. Except I for like know. Weird I... Al. He's the only exception. 
I would love a Weird Al concert film. I also would love things more like uh, like The Wall, where they take like a concept album and like really blow it up. Have I made you guys watch The Wall yet? No. Ah, no. shoot. All right. Well, we're going to watch The Wall here. Maybe, soon, maybe we just do a movie, uh, a musical music movie thing where we... Oh, I love like that. A tri- like a triple feature. Because <gasps> we're going oh, to be shoot. burned out on like art house films by the time the Oscars come out the week before. I, I'm... Guys, I'm yeah, and, and, and I'm blaming Devin for that personally. Well, hold on, hold on. We'll have to talk a little bit more about this because The Holdovers is not an art house film. Whatever. Maybe my hold on. Maybe my palate got blown way out of whack by the thing I'm going to talk about before Holdovers. Probably. But yeah, that does it for whatever that segment was. Let's talk about it. what we watched in pop culture this week. Uh, I'm going to start things off. I went I went to the movies this week and I saw uh, Argyle, the new Matthew Vaughn spy thriller starring Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Rockwell, and Henry Cavill. Uh, Why the question mark? <laughs> um, slight spoilers for Argyle. If you go to this movie expecting to see uh, Henry Cavill as a spy for more than five minutes of this movie, you're in, you're in for disappointment. <laughs> He's that's like, not he's in, in it that much. That's like all of him in the trailer. Yeah, pretty much is oh. all of him. In, like everything you see in the trailer is everything you get of him in the movie. Wow. Uh, that being said, I liked it. It's long, okay. way too long, and should have ended 20 minutes before it did. But um, what do you guys know about Sam Rockwell? Like when you think Sam Rockwell, what do you think? Three billboards outside of Epping, Missouri. Okay. Ryan, that's how about a you? bad Ryan's take. Sorry, guys. Sam Rockwell. Uh, <laughs> if you want to know how bad it is, I'm Googling right now. <laughs> yeah. For me, I always think every role that Sam Rockwell is in, he dances. Yeah. Um, this film makes the best use of Sam Rockwell's dancing in every movie that he's in. The best sequence of him dancing by far is in this movie. Wow. The song choice like is que- the song <laughs> choice is questionable, but best use okay, of hold dancing. On. What what part of the Eras tour does the song you're talking about appear? Uh it's it's not Taylor Swift. This, do you want to know what song it is cuz I'll just tell you. I I do. 100% I do. Now and then by the Beatles. The one that just released 2 months ago. Weird. Yeah. Do you know, do you know, I wanted to love that more than I did to the point where you guys had me listen to it. Cause I think I found out that it was a song live on the podcast. Probably. I listened to it the next day. It was a trivia question, uh, for the, the pub quiz I go to completely forgot it even existed again. That's how fast I forgot about that song. Yeah. It's, um, it's used a lot in this movie. Um, weird choice. Yeah. I really like this. I, I really liked a lot of this movie. I think it is too long. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard is fantastic in it. Uh, I, I want to see her in more things. Uh, I wrote a whole review for this over at Victims of Villains. So go check that out on their website. Um, I'll put that in the chat. Oh, nice. Uh, but yeah. And I'll be <laughs> going to get to the movies for victims again here soon to see Madam Webb. When does that come out? Next oh, you're week. not excited about that. It's next week already. If you would have told me like six years ago that I would be, I would be 
not be excited for a Spider-Man universe movie. I'd have been like, ha. But then I would have. But now that I've seen Venom and Venom Two and Morbius, I was like, eh. <laughs> is it I, in the same universe? I don't know. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll report back in two weeks and let you know. I'm so um, excited to hear. Yeah, Argyle's fun. If you like the Kingsman movies and Matthew Vaughn's other stuff, this is fun. Um, but don't go in expecting a lot of Henry Cavill, John Cena, or Dua Lipa. So. Oh, weird. I forget that was mostly but, the cast. Uh, looking at the poster, it is like half the people on the poster. That's so weird. Um, but, yeah. Uh, hmm. Ryan, you watched 30 Days of Night? Yes, I did. I'm sorry. I'm kind of distracted at the moment. Um, so, yes, I uh, I did see 30 Days of Night. It came out in like 2007, 2008. Um, I don't know why it's taken me this long to watch it. It's basically a, uh, a movie about a gang of vicious vampires that descend on like the northernmost town in Alaska that literally has like 60 days of night. It's really 60, but in the movie, it's 30. Um, it's good. It's great. I added it to the list, so you guys will be eventually seeing it. Awesome. There's, I've been noticing a theme lately of you watching a lot of vampire movies. Is that on purpose? No, it just happens. Like, I like vampires. Okay. Like, I like actual horror vampire stuff. Occasionally, yeah. I'll watch, like, you know, like, like was it Rumsfeld or whatever? The one with, like, uh... yeah. Nicholas Cage. Uh, Nick, yeah, yeah, like with him in it. Um, but <laughs> with Nick, uh, what? I, I missed that. Donald Rumsfeld, like the sec- Secretary of Defense from Iraq. Well, whatever. War. It's an old name. Whatever the name is of yeah. the character that's it's, assisting it's, him is the Reinfeld. name, and I forget what the name is. So Reinfeld. it's, it's, it's Renfield. But anyway, it's Renfield. 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 There, Which, I was close. Yeah. Stop yeah. it. No, no. It's, um, Rumsfeld <laughs> is hilarious, I, I, and we need to call okay, that forever. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but I mean, it, it's like, I like, I like, tr- I, I like traditional monsters. And mm-hmm. when they're done good and actually scary, it's, I like it. Totally fair. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of traditional monsters, uh, right. Or Devin, you watched a thing. <laughs> Why was this the transition? Isn't this like a Frankenstein thing? Yeah, but not okay. That's all right. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Uh, so this week I watched uh, in my like quest to watch all of the Oscar noms. Uh, I watched Poor Things. Uh, all right, guys. So Poor Things is nominated for like eleven Oscars. I just did a quick search of the Oscar poll, and it's like on there eleven times for various things. This is an art house movie, like through and through. This movie also had Romana and I talking afterwards about what makes a good movie and like, why is it like, is a movie good? So like Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, Remy Youssef all give incredible performances. They are so good. There's especially this thing that Emma Stone does where she is like in the body of an adult, but has to be a child. And she does it in a really, really believable way to the point where her acting and Mark Ruffalo's acting almost career best, I think. Incredible. I think the world that it's set in is like Wes Anderson on crack, which is also really weird and really cool. I just like, I don't think I, 
it was it was just fine like in terms of like what the plot was and where that where like, where it went and the message it was trying to convey i think it was just fine and i don't know that i've ever had a movie before that hit so many or checked so many of my boxes but me just walk away going yeah that was all right is this you guys something you want to watch this? Is this something you're going to, uh, this is my next question. Is this something you're going to make us watch for the show? Because I will be watching this before the Oscars. It's playing, so I, it's playing in Harrisburg and I might go see it here. Yeah. Soon. Alan goes, go see it in theaters. If you have, if I don't think I'm going to make you guys watch this just for, for a heads up. It's a very long movie. I don't know that I love, I mean, I, the, I like the point that it's trying to make, right? It's trying to make, a couple of very strong feminist points, and I like the I like that it's making those points. I don't love the way that it makes it, and I'm happy to get into that later. But there's a scene in it specifically that movies do this sometimes, where they get you to feel like how the character feels through an unconventional means. A good example of this is there's a movie called Master and Commander, and there's a bit when they're on the ship, and it's quite boring. And you as an audience are supposed to feel bored like the crew feels bored. This movie does something very similar with sound. And it gets you to feel exactly the way that Emma Stone feels. But it's probably my, like, most memorable and least favorite movie experience I've ever had. And it would only replicate in the theater. So, like, I'll remember this movie. It'll live rent-free in my head for some reasons. I don't know that I ever really want to watch this again. Okay. I'm so conflicted about this, guys. It like kills me. Well, I might go. I might I go see, see it tonight. Do it, man. Do it. Like I and then and then like let's text or we'll talk about this next yeah. week. Like I've seen a few things about it, uh, and then so I've looked up a lot more than more than I probably should have okay. since I haven't seen it yet. Um, and to be honest, that's kind of that's that's on par for how I already think about it with reading everything I've read about it okay. uh, t- to the point of not reading the synopsis, like the actual, like what the plot is all the way through. Yeah. Um, I've kind of been getting that feeling of like, yeah, it looks like these, it, 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 it looks like, and sounds like great performances. Yeah. But with the way that it's filmed, it's like, ah, this is going to be kind of a tough one for me to get into. The beginning was a little rough for me, admittedly, with the with the film style. It's up for, I think, best cinematography, and I can totally see why, because it's really experimental in what it does. And it's yeah, one of those yeah. movies that, like, you'd want a film student to watch a couple of times, because the way that it uses the fisheye lens means something. The way that it uses the pinhole lens means something. Whenever it switches from color, to, from black and white to color, means something. And, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of meaning behind a lot of it, and... I like that a lot, but again, it's, do the ends justify the means? Like, is, is, yeah, we'll have to talk about it next week, Alan, if you're going to okay. watch it, like, I, let's, I'm gonna, let's get in depth. I'm going to try to go see it here soon. Maybe okay. not tonight, but soon. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop going. I, I, I've never walked out of a movie so conflicted, if I'm being honest. And I like, it's been over, like, it's been the long weekend and half of the week and I still haven't crystallized my thoughts on it. Which is saying something, because I'm usually pretty quick to judge things. There, a lot of his, the director has a few movies that are like that. Um, Yorgos Lathimos, uh, he has a movie called The Lobster. Have you guys seen that? No. 
No, I've been uh, looking up his other stuff. This is the this is the summary of it. This has been on my list for a while to watch because I am intri- intrigued by this concept. Uh, in a dystopian future, according to the laws of the city, single people are taken to the hotel where they are obliged to find a romantic partner for 45 days or they are transformed into beasts and sent off into the woods. Okay, fine. Yeah. So, so I, th- I, I think Colin Farrell turns into a lobster. <laughs> um, the fact that that's what that movie is and it has a 7.1 on Instagram with a Metacritic score of 82 makes me very intrigued. <laughs> yeah. That's really fun. Maybe maybe you maybe you should make us watch that, Devin. I might make you watch that. I might have yeah. to watch it first and then make you guys watch that. Yeah. Uh so yeah, so so Devin, how many best pic- You're I think you're ahead of me on best pictures now. Am I? Oh, no, no, I we're mean, tied. We're tied. We're tied. Because you haven't have seen, seen my pick for next week. Uh, I, I've seen four out of the ten. I think I've seen four as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think I'm there. Um, so we're going to talk about, we're gonna talk about uh, this week's pick, The Holdover, starring Paul Giamatti. Uh, Devin, this is your pick. I'm going to let you take it away. Yeah, man. So... This is my pick for the week. I, I I do love when I get to curtail the thing I'm doing in my personal life with the thing that I'm also doing in the podcast. So I want to watch all the Oscar nominations. So I picked the holdovers as the one. Because also, of the ones that I have yet to see, this one seemed like the most like you guys would click with just in terms of what it is, how it was filmed, the style it's going for, the type of movie that it is. To give you a quick overview, so this is directed by Alexander Payne, which, guys, I have, like, all of the fun facts for this. Um, Alexander Payne is has directed things like Sideways, The Descendants, Paris, I Love You, About Schmidt. So, like, I've, I've seen and heard of him. Uh, it's written by someone, though, n- named David Hemmingston, who my yeah. favorite fact about him is that David Hemmingston... Uh, did the series The Adventures of Pete and Pete, which I thought was like a really funny tidbit. Don't worry about anything else. He also did. Oh, no. He did that Angela Anaconda series that was really unsettling when we were kids. Wait, did he create Pete and Pete? It's He's a written by credit on two episodes. On two. OK, so he he's yeah. worked on a lot of television because I was looking at his. Yeah. His uh, resume. He wrote for How, How I Met, I Met Your, Your Mother, Mother, Kitchen Confidential. Um, Pepper Ann. Yeah, I used to love Pepper Ann, American Dad. He did the Uncle Buck revival TV show. We don't talk about that. No, we don't. No, we certainly don't. Anyway. <laughs> I, I just, you, you know, something's great when you look at it on IMDb and it says Uncle Buck TV series from 2016 to 2016. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, look, you can't beat John Candy in that stuff. You just can't. Like, that's. No. It was a really hard. Well, anyway, anyway, the holdovers, back to the holdovers. Uh, So I had made you guys watch this. Before we dig into specifics about this movie, I want to get just, give me, I mean, my assumption is that neither of you have seen this movie before I made you watch that. Is that correct? Mm. Yeah, I, it kept popping up for me on Peacock and I was Mm. like, I'm going to watch that uh, for for the Oscars. Even before he got the nominations, I saw Paul Giamatti win at the Golden Globes. I should watch that. Yeah. Okay, so then with that in mind, that you guys haven't seen this before, what did you think? Ryan, you want to go first? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so I saw the previews for it, and it was something that I was already interested in. I just hadn't gotten around to seeing it yet. And I ended up liking this movie a lot more than I thought originally I was going to. Good. Good, good, good. So, and... And a lot goes into that style choice, the acting, the con, you know, the, the actual like what the story is about. But I'm sure we'll get into all of that to talk more about it. Oh yeah, Alan, what'd you think? I hated it. No, I'm kidding. what? No, <laughs> I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, and it's weird for me because I relate to a lot of what's in this movie. Um, I bet you do. Because it, it, the setting is very familiar to me um in some ways so no i really enjoy this i think paul giamatti gives a great performance um yeah i i've i've got more to say but i'm gonna let you ask questions i like yeah man good perfect so first thing that struck me about this movie is the style of the movie literally from the title cards and then all the way to the way that it's filmed the style of the transitions, the scene composition, everything about this movie literally screams 70s to the point where my uh, my internet stopped buffering correctly, so the picture got a little bit fuzzy, and it just looked like a movie from the 70s. Yeah. So uh, I was really excited about that. I had internet issues watching this too, but it just made the movie stop. So. Oh, <laughs> that's the worst version of it. But how did you guys like that? Was that because this movie is also up for best cinematography? And I'm going to be honest, I think I want it to win because I think, at least in my opinion, it captures that 70s style almost perfect. Yeah, I was one of my favorite movies from the 70s is Harold and Maude. And the way that this and that movie and this movie are similar is in it's mainly character driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's more of a character driven narrative, and literally the only thing, the only thing that cements the holdovers in modern time is the fact that it was like filmed in HD. Other than that, if this yeah. thing was filmed on a, on like thirty five millimeter, you could have shown it to someone and just gaslit them into saying like don't you remember this it came out in 1968 yeah, i mean exactly. not 68 1972 you, you don't remember this film it was huge when it came out in 1972 mm-hmm. like everything from the opening to them using you know like you know it's like either uh you know like universal using their you know like 1970s late 60s like uh intro and i whatever that other film studio i don't Merrimax. know if oh merrimax but there was another one like free form or free film or mm-hmm. something like i i don't know if they existed back then or not but that was a pretty good you know <laughs> d- depiction of like you know an old version of their thing yeah but like from there on like it was all camera angles and shots that I remember seeing in movies my dad used to watch when I was younger. Yeah. Like, that, that was one of the best, like, the story and plot. There's a lot of good stuff about this movie, and that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I had that, too. Alan, did you get have the same thing with the, the cinematography? I, I did, to the point where, like, I really enjoyed that it looks like it's from the 70s, but um, they shot it on digital. Like, it's not actually shot yeah. on film. It was shot with an Ari Alexa yeah. Mini um, using Panavision H series and Primo zoom lenses. Um, 
I heard so. they did some test shots in 55 millimeter because in pre-production they were like, do we just want to go full 70s and do this in 55 millimeter? But I think I really like the decision that they went to go digital with it. Yeah. Because it, mo- it modernizes it. it. And like the biggest thing that jumped out at me for like the 70s style with just the look of the film wasn't exactly wasn't exactly the, the image of the film itself, but like the graphics when they have the credits up and just that little bit of a yeah. jiggle that you got. Like, mm-hmm. like that's that's what sold it for me. So now, you know more about this than I do. Why did they have that little jiggle? Was it because it was like a physical thing that they were like just pointing a camera mm-hmm. at? And it was like moving because the air yeah. was blowing. The, the, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it was just having it stay on the film, and as the film's going through, you'd get a little bit of movement from it. Oh, okay. I think I don't know. I can't back that up. Listen, man, I I I like that effect. They do that in the beginning of Lord of the Rings too, and it gets me every time. I mean, I I went to film school, but I did I never worked with actual film. Um, oh wow! I work out of film school, and we just had the students using film last week, which was which was really exciting to see. So I got I got to see them play with the film cameras, and their footage is sent off, so we get to see what it looks like in a few weeks. That's so cool! I would feel so much pressure if I was working with real film like that. I think. So, I think the other thing that stood out for this movie right away like right away was Paul Giamatti's character and just him. I mean, the opening scene is of him grading papers, just going like, what was he doing? Like, like troglodyte, you know, in great, like just like swearing Philistine, Philistine, like late, like yelling at these kids' papers. Somebody here was also grading papers today. Alan, did that seem super hit home for you? No, not re- no, no okay. because like I, 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 the way I, I'm teaching my class is I'm going to give them assignments that I want to, I want to grade. Like I want to see, do, make me this thing. I want to see what you can do. Um, yeah. And that's what the, the assignment for this week was. Uh, it was like a, a, a photo essay. So it's like, I'm, I don't want to sit there and read essays. I want to, I want to do it. Let's do a photo essay. Go take some photos. Tell me about them. Caption the photos. Let, let's talk about it that way. Um, so I was looking at those. It's just a lot. Uh, and, and like I have my other job duties that I'm doing too. So it's like I get, I, I get into it and then I get pulled away to do something else. Mm. It's just, it's, it's a lot. Um, that opening scene with him though, like with the Christmas setting and the Christmas music, uh, it just made me think Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> like, you know, that's a really good point. Yeah. I'm I didn't really, catch that. I'm re- I am really surprised to hear that from you, Devin, because that because that was one of the first things that I thought, especially really? when he got handed the cookies. I was like, this is like a modern day Grinch movie. Like, you know, <laughs> like that's what I was expecting. Like, OK, it's Christmas. He's a bit of a grouch. And I'm like, OK, so he's rough around the edges. And I was assuming by the end of the movie, he's going to, you know, not be a grouch anymore. Like, that's what I was kind of assuming. I did not think that the movie was going to do what it did which i was happy to eventually see but yeah no like i was right without like i was with with you know alan there thinking the grinch because of how he was acting and the fact that it's christmas you keep saying the grinch grinch Grinch, whatever i this is this is not my week this is not my (laughs) week although they're all based on the christmas curmudgeon i I mean paul you when i think Paul, paul giamatti i still think big fat liar so Full, full, full of a different color, like blue, green. Like it's <laughs> close enough. 
I was wondering, what do you guys think of when you see Paul Giamatti like this? Because I couldn't unsee Rhino. <laughs> I, you know, which I, is like the wrong thing. I was talking about that today to to a student who I mentioned that we were doing this on the show, and I was like, yeah, I forgot. Like I was watching it, and like for a second, I was like, oh yeah, he was a he was a Spider Man villain for for two seconds, and yeah, he was. Um, no, honestly, what I think of. Planet of the Apes, like not the good one. <laughs> Is he in the Wahlberg one? He's in the Wahlberg one. He's one of the apes. He's like oh. the librarian ape who like is kidnapped by Mark Wahlberg. That's very funny. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. uh, Ryan, do you think of him? When you, do you think of anything when you think of him at all? Or is this kind of not like the first really. thing you've seen him in? No, 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 no. I've seen him a lot and I know him when I see him like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I know him. I've seen him in other stuff. I don't know what the other stuff is, but I've seen him in other stuff. Like, he's one of those people yeah. for me. And, like, I'm looking up stuff that he's acted in, and mm-hmm. it's a bunch of stuff that I really wouldn't consider to be, like, any of my, like, top, you know, movies that that that, that I remember liking or re-watching or anything. It's all stuff that I've watched maybe once or twice and went, oh, that was okay, and then moved on. Okay. And I'm it's not his fault. No. Like it's not his fault that it, that any of that stuff is. It's just he's in a lot of stuff. I mean, he's he's a character yeah. actor. That's what he's known for. Yeah, he doesn't have the big franchises. He he has a, a few TV shows like Billions, but he he's a character actor. He's in all these different kinds of roles. Um. Oh, the other thing I think of is um. Uh, Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon. He I don't pl- know that one. Uh, it's the Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman movie. He plays his right. manager. Oh, got it. Okay. Like, so then, I, with that in mind, like you guys know that he's a character actor. Did he pull it off? Like, like leading this movie? Do you think that he deserves the best man nomination for this, or best actor well, nomination? Well, best man. I was left uh, halfway through this movie, like. He wears a prosthetic in this, if I'm right. Like, that's a prosthetic that he's wearing. For his eye? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just want to be sure. The reason why I'm asking is because he acted well enough with that prosthetic that throughout the movie I was going, has this guy had a lazy eye and I've never noticed it before? <laughs> and at that point, that's when I knew that I'm like, this guy's giving a great performance. Yeah. Do you want to know because the crazy he's... part about that? What? Yes. The, the eye moved. Between scenes, I didn't even know. Right well, I mean, yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it did. Yeah, no, that's Wait, right. It, so that, it actually did. Tur- it that actually part of it. They actually did switch eyes. Yeah, yeah it did because you were supposed you were supposed to feel like how the kid did, uh, how Angus did, where he didn't know what eye to look okay. at. You were supposed to feel that way too. Okay. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah. Part, of, part of me was like, is that just a continuity error? Or am I just making things up? But no, that that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you think he deserves it, Alan? I'm trying to think who I want to see who all he's up against before I say what I think. Um, he's up against Bradley Cooper and Maestro, Coleman Domingo and Rustin uh, himself, Colin Kelly and Murphy and Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. I I need to see the other ones because I, I feel like Jeffrey Wright's doing a lot of interesting things in American fiction. 
yeah. Killian Murphy and Oppenheimer. Eh, he, I think Paul Giamatti has it over him. Um, but Bradley Cooper put in so much work for Maestro. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I need to watch that too. So yeah, before I, before I say definitively, before I cast my ballot, I'm going to have to watch <laughs> those. Um, which Maestro was almost my pick for next week, but um, oh, wow. I, I think there are bigger films that you guys need to watch on the list of best pictures before that. Oh. So. Well, I, I'm going to dive need, right I mean, into the deep end and go, yeah, yes. do it. You're going to say yes. Yeah. I'm going to say yes. I, you know, so far it's yes for me too. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of the other movies on here, but like I have to watch myself because I am going to want to talk about Paul Giamatti and his character and the little quirks that he adds to it and the little parts that make this character endearing. Like, I love this character. I love the character. I love how it's portrayed. I love that. He, oh, just everything about it. I love him being uh, like curmudgeonly little jerk. I love it when his like when he shows his soft spot. I love it when I. I think he's wonderful. I really do. Like he felt so believable and real to me. But it's not to say that the rest of the cast wasn't either, though. So, I mean, that was the, the movie is largely split between Paul Giamatti, Divine Joy Randolph and Dominic Sessa. Yeah. Which I think this is his first acting role. It is. What did you guys think of him? For a first time out, I was, I, he had that a face where I was like, I know you from something. What do I know yeah. you from? But I didn't know him from anything because he hasn't acted before. Um I'm prepared to see him and everything. I'm prepared to have him do the, the Chalamet treatment and just be in everything to the point where we're sick of him. Um, yeah. Dune two coming out to theaters next month. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I enjoyed him. I thought he was very, he held his weight for a first time actor in this for, for screen mm-hmm. role, at least. Um, I thought, I thought he was fantastic. Brian, what do you think for first time out? I, I I think the reason why he looks familiar and I don't and I don't remember his name but I feel like he could be brothers um with either and I'm going to throw two an actor and an actress. Okay. He looks like he could be related to either the kid from Stranger Things that was also in it. Fin- Eleven's Finn like okay. Yeah, okay, okay yeah, him, and or and slash or, the act, uh, the girl from, uh, that I forget, uh, The Last of Us, from HBO, Bella Ramsey, Bella Ramsey, yeah, like either oh. one of those two, it looks like he could be f- like related to either one of them, to okay. like a point, and so, so I think that's why he looked familiar because he looked familiar to me too, um, yeah. and I didn't think about that until now, like you know like where else i would have seen his face um to, to me but, he, he looked like john francis daly from freaks and geeks that too oh, that works yeah. too all right okay yeah. um this movie only works as well as it does is because of this kid's performance yeah he is Almost at the same level as was it Paul? Paul Giamatti. Yeah, uh, uh, as Paul Giamatti, and like it, 
just scenes of him feeling conflicted. Like, his acting pays off in the nonverbal moments for him, where it's body language and facial expression. Mm-hmm. And he nails every single one. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I, I really think that the three leads of this movie, because we, we kind of skipped over Divine Joy Randolph and her, like, her in this movie, she's incredible. I mean, every one of these characters is so believable, and they go through this amazing arc. And I think, like, almost no more than her. Like, I love her mm-hmm. character's arc in this. Like... And, and I think, I mean, it has to bring us to the plot because we haven't talked about it yet. And I want to get what you guys thought of it because in ways, this movie didn't go where I think it was or where I thought it was going to go because Cynical Devin goes, all right, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is what this is. I get it. We're going to keep yeah. going. So the rough kind of setup for the movie is that over Christmas break at this private boys school, it's called Barton. Um, which I know is a fictitious school for this, but in my head canon, it's the exact same school that years later the Pitch Perfect series takes place in. Because <laughs> that's also Barton Academy, so you can't tell me I'm wrong. Um, but they're, they stay over. They're essentially the holdovers between Christmas break while everyone go, else goes to school. Because of something that he had done in the past at this school... Paul Giamatti's character, Paul Hunnam, has to also be the one that stays over with the holdover kids. And to their dismay, he makes them study. He makes them do PT. He makes them essentially act like they're still in school. They don't just have a week or two or a couple of weeks of break. Uh, That's kind of the setup of the movie. And then from there, you essentially learn a lot about each and every one of the three leads, Paul Giamatti, Divine, Joy Randolph, and Dominic Sesa's characters and what they're going through. And you get a really great view into their lives, and they do a great job of actually changing and progressing his characters as the story goes on. For me, the way the film sets up the plot with it being a group of students, I was like, because I don't watch trailers for things, I, I just watch like mm-hmm. I, I see reviews and I, I, I just try to stay away from plots as much as possible. I thought that's what the movie was going to be. I thought there's going to be like a these these kids who are all or who are all different and don't get along are going to come together and make him a, a better teacher for it. And then like it gets to the point where the one kid's rich dad shows up on a helicopter and takes them all except for the one. I was like, okay, now I'm more, even more invested. Like, let's go. Yeah. Let's see what this is. Ryan, did it go, was the setup expected for you? Because I had the same thing as Alan. Well, I don't watch trailers. I mean, it bug, it, sometimes it bugs me that neither of you guys watch trailers. <laughs> Not this time, though. Not this okay. time. Um, I did watch the trailer for this, and the first part I was like, okay, when are these two going to get their alone time? Because oh, wow. these other kids are always around. Like, a lot of the trailer, or like half the trailer, was just scenes of just him and the teen. Mm-hmm. And there's only like very, very few parts with like everyone else. And I'm like, where, where are they going to get their like alone time? Because you've got this bully that's taking up the majority of the air in in the room whenever you know like they're around so i was waiting for that helicopter to fall out of the sky per se and like take (laughs) everyone away (laughs) um 
but yeah, no, I was, I was waiting for that. Um, but even then, the movie didn't do what I was expecting. Even after that point? Even after that point. Because I already had this idea in my head of like, okay, this is, this is a Christmas movie. He's a grouch. This kid's kind of, you know, like, he's kind of, like, he's not a bully. He's not, he's just troubled. You know, so I'm thinking like, okay, these two are going to, you know, like the one's going to like help the other. And by the end of the movie, it's going to be a Christmas miracle and everyone's going to be, you know, like happy. Yeah. And that's not. I was surprised. I'll put it that way. Well, I want to get into that. So, I mean, largely the plot is that, you know, the rest of the kids leave on the helicopter. They leave you know, those two there and they all get to spend time with each other and they weren't expecting to spend so much alone time with each other. They butt up against each other's problems. What about the plot surprised you guys? Cause I'm going to be honest. A lot of it did surprise me. <sighs> plot wise, nothing really surprised me. No, no. Cause this fits into a genre of movie that, I haven't seen many of, but it's very um, Dead Poet Society where it's the student mm-hmm. becomes close to the teacher and the teacher does the thing to better for, for the better of the students. Um, okay. So I wasn't really surprised by any anything that happened in this movie. Um, I don't. Oh, the only thing that did surprise me was um, the the injury. Yeah, hmm. I thought that was fun. I liked it. So I mean, I, what I liked about that scene in particular was it took like the like they're fighting and it's escalating. And there's like this moment, and then it's just pure chaos as they run to the hospital. Like it was just pure insanity. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's a very funny part too, just because the timing of it mm-hmm. all. To the point where I almost thought that when he was like screaming in pain, I'm like, oh, he's kidding. Oh, he's not kidding. Yeah, when the show is, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Ryan, did anything surprise you? Um, some of it did. Like, I. This, uh, just to list a couple. The thing with yeah. the kid's father. Yes, that got me. That surprised me. Yeah. Um,. Uh, the thing with the kid's father, um, how they treated the era that this movie was in correctly from the point of view of a bunch of private school kids in the late 60s. And I really liked that. I was not expecting that. And I'm really happy that they did do that. Like, one of my favorite scenes is when they're at the is when they're at the restaurant slash bar and he walks into a Vietnam vet yeah, (laughs) and things go South quick (laughs) because that is probably one of the most realistic scenes in this movie. (laughs) Well, and how he like this, you know, I mean, they, they call them this almost the entire movie, this rich entitled kid. Yeah. How he has no idea really how the rest of the world lives and the rest of the world works. So of course, when he runs into a Vietnam vet, 
who's missing a hand, he goes, why don't I be your left hand? And like, what a dumb yeah. thing to say. But like, I guess I can see how if you're on the outside looking in, that's an okay and like almost cute comment to make. Not to a Vietnam vet though. Yeah. Like if he, he read the room, like I, right. When yeah. he didn't, well, because he has no context to read the room, yeah. and no. that's exactly what, and and that's exactly what uh, he was saying to the dean mm-hmm. that, which I find funny, which was one of his prior students. <laughs> um, yeah. That's what he was saying to the dean when the dean was yelling at him because he flunked like the son of the biggest donor to the school. Loved this plot point, by the way. Absolutely, like. Um, if you ever want to make me love you as a character, do this in your movie. Like the fact that this, like I, what I find funny is that some people, like some film celebrities or one or two gotten in trouble for like getting their kids yeah. into doing certain this. schools, doing yeah. exactly what, you know, what that, like that Paul Giovanni's character. I'll like name names. Felicity Huffman. Do it. Uh, Aunt Becky from Full House. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can name names Becky. because yeah. you remember them. I don't remember the names. Lori Loughlin, That's Felicity Huffman. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not William H. Ugh. Macy for some reason, even though he's married to Felicity Huffman. It's very bizarre. Um, <laughs> he's yeah. all right, man. He's shameless. Um, but, uh, ah, yeah. Uh-huh. did. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so like that, like that coupled with uh, the other, uh, the the like almost third main character in the movie with like her and her son um, and dealing with all of that and like showing that like they didn't put a magnifying glass in it. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't shine a magnifying glass, like put... A magnifying glass over it. Mm-hmm. All they did was place it into the storyline, real, 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 realistically, where it would show up in their lives. Yeah, yeah. And that's again one of the many things, one of the many many things I like about this movie. Um, I do have one. Of, I do have the moment that made me laugh the hardest, though. Oh, you gotta tell me. Okay, they're in Boston. Uh-huh. They're in the liquor store. He's telling his story about what happened at Harvard. Yeah. He hands the liquor bottle. <laughs> he 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 buys the liquor and the shopkeeper goes, "Here you go, killer." Yeah. <laughs> and for a split second, they show the storekeeper's face and then his face and the kid's face and they hold on it for like a second and a half and they're all just kind of like staring at each other realizing what that sounded like and then they cut to the next scene i audibly laughed at that point because of just how like just funny that situation because it was it was such a tense scene like something just happened mm-hmm. that like really grounded his character and the kids calling him out on it and then he tells the story about why he's so, you know, like pr- protective of that part of his life. Yeah. Not realizing that the shopkeeper heard the entire thing. <laughs> and it was the perfect thing to say too. Here you it go, was. killer. It'd be like, Hey, I heard everything yeah. you said. <laughs> my, uh, my favorite moment. Um, it didn't make me laugh, but I almost, it, 
it inspired me to do a bit that I'm not going to do because I forgot to get stop at the store. But the whole <laughs> Cherry's Jubilee thing. Like, I just love <laughs> that whole scene. And I'm watching this like, I can go to the store, pick up a thing of, of cherries, and <laughs> go to the liquor just store, get some brandy, fire. and do, like, light it on fire on the show. And I forgot until we went live. It's like, oh, I wanted to do that. But no, like, the, the what kind of fascist hash foundry are you running here? Like, that just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I absolutely loved all of his insults. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have like base levels, like, you know, like the very top layer of like skim on the water knowledge of like any of the stuff they were talking about. But I knew enough to like understand why what he was saying was insults and it it just made it great. (laughs) Yeah. Like just looking at his IMDB page, like, like the quotes here. And the Romans, Romans bathed naked in freezing timber. Adversity builds character, Mr. Tully. Like, there's just so many great yeah. lines. Oh, yeah. But one of my favorite I actually have written down because I liked it so much. It was when he took Tully to the museum. And they're looking at the pottery. And he shows yeah. him the pot that's got, like, the pornographic, mm-hmm. like, scene on it. And then he says, he gives a speech, and then at the end, he says, history is not simply a study of the past. It is an explanation of the present. Yeah. And it's a really simple statement. Like I'll be perfectly honest. It's a really simple statement. But, it, like, it, 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 it's a simple, heavy statement that carries a yeah. lot of fact. And it is something that kind of like when I heard it, I was like, yeah, because that's there's a lot of stuff that I tend to bring up on topics that I'm very passionate about. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much what it is, because like I'll go back and reference this point in time, this point of time, this happened and that happened and that happened. And why do you think we are where we are in regardless yeah. to like society or sports or gaming or film or whatever? Like that's just the you know, it's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was for me, one of the cruxes of the movie, too, was the line a little bit before that, is each generation thinks it invented debauchery and suffering and rebellion, but every man's impulse and appetite from the disgusting to the sublime is on display. Like, yeah, right now, particularly right now, feels messed up, right, in this pretty unique way. But also, so did the 70s during Vietnam. Yeah. Like, in almost the exact same way. And, like, this movie actually comforted me in a weird way, where I was like, no, no, no. To them, the world is just as messed up as it is to me right now. The only difference is I'm going through this, and I wasn't going through that. And, like, that actually made me feel really good. Made me feel horrible. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, things have always... That's the one thing to always remember, is that, like, new things pop up. Yeah. history regardless of how far back you go and you see something that's like oh so that was the first time this happened but like mm. yeah that was the first time this happened imagine how panicked people were when this happened back then yeah going on politically here in the u.s is crazy right now but it also was around the same time another president was like 
getting poked yeah. at and eventually left office. Like people were as panicked back. And it's so funny to look back and be like, they were so silly, but like, it's what yeah. we're living mm. through. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we one of the things, the fire. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that really Sorry. struck me about the movie too, that I loved was Paul Giamatti's nervous tick of just listing a fact whenever he was in an uncomfortable social situation, because <laughs> I have nervous ticks like that all the time. I get really gestury and really big. I get really like chirpy and hello, how's it going? I'm Devin. Yeah. Tell me all about you. And yeah. that's just a social thing that I lean back on because I, you can tell I'm out of my depth here, right? I'm not comfortable and I want to make something happen. And I loved watching Paul Giamatti do that in this movie and it really endeared me to him where there were like times where I'm like, it's me. That's just me. Like, it's just a different version of me. There were I times loved. when I was watching, it's like, that's Devin. No. Um, <laughs> no, he... Especially with the Santa Claus thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that actually, that one did actually make me think Devin would do yeah. that. <laughs> I was yeah, completely kidding before, but no, that, that I remembered that now. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, did you guys? So my my point to that was, do you guys have a nervous thing that you do in social situations like that? Because I feel like almost everyone does, right? Like we're all put in awkward situations all the time, and we just I have shut to go down. Through. You shut down. Like, like to me, the fact that you very animated and very chirpy and very like that freaks me out. Like, if I was out of my depth or anything, I'm just like, I don't know anything, so I'm just going to... Mm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Be, be part of the scenery. I'm not going to, you know, like, try to get myself involved in anything. I go yeah. on tangents. Like, I'll just start talking. Like, I'll find something related to something and start talking about it. Like, uh, like if I was nervous about this podcast, like, like Paul Giamatti was in Amazing Spider-Man 2, which... If you guys have every week, every week, I forget. <laughs> you gotta take that chance. Ever out, since man. we moved to Wednesdays, every <laughs> week at seven on the dot. Um, but yeah, I would just like go, start going off on on something that I I know a lot about and can like relate to the subject, and then afterwards, I'm like that didn't tie in at all. Why did I do that? Um. <laughs> Just like only on like the the barest yeah. of tangents, like Spider Man also wore, wore red. By the way, in Spider Man, it's not even that bad. Like I'll start talking. Like usually, it's it's somewhat related. Like I like actors or directors like talking about like style choices and things. Like it's usually it's things oh, sure. like that. Like the, it 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 all makes sense in my head, and I can justify it, whether or not people agree that's with all that. that matters. Like that's a, a different story. But um, we haven't, we haven't, can we talk about Divine Joy uh, Randolph, please? We have to. We've been doing her disservice the whole time. She's incredible. Uh, she was absolutely phenomenal in this. I love her arc so much because it's the most subtle of the three. Because her ending, like, so her son dies at war, in war. He didn't get a chance to go to college after he left this school. Um, 
at the end of the movie when um, Mr. Tully is about to to possibly be sent off to military school, like that's the that's the climax for her character too, where she just takes his hand and holds it tight. And I thought that was such a yeah. beautiful ending to her story in this. Like I love that so much. And as soon as I recognized Divine Joy Randolph in this, I was so excited to see mm-hmm. her like in the rest of the movie. Devin, do you recognize did you recognize her from anything? Because I know you've seen her in something. She looked familiar. I'm like, I know I know this person. I'm also frantically searching IMDB. I can just tell you, because I know what you know from what only is murders in the building. It is She's only the murders detective. in the building. Yep. Who's always telling yep. to All stop right. the damn She's podcast? In that. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. She's really yeah. good in that. No, but she was incredible in this, and I love the fact that that was, like, she, she reaches out for his yeah. hand first. Like, she is now open for it. It's not that she's receiving that. She's now ready to give that love mm-hmm. again. And I yeah. really, really like that because it was a good mo- I mean, basically from the point where they met Angus's parents in the principal's office to the end of the movie, I was basically just ready to cry the whole time. Because, <laughs> like, you get such great performances. You get such great character moments. Man... I don't know. I loved it. In the mass before they leave. Um, and uh, the priest uh, tells her that, like, we are all grieving with you. And just deep breath and, like, the eye roll. Like, like yeah. the real long like real drawn out eye roll and when that happened i'm like i'm gonna like her yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna like her character um, the newlywed game to paul's <laughs> yeah. character is another great scene um and yet like if you were to remove anyone from this movie mm-hmm not as good like when it for me anyway like no i'm the same i completely agree it's basically three pieces of they they are yeah like her character to me is just they are they are very uh, i'm not disagreeing with you they are very codependent of each other but i also think if you took any two of these characters together and like just remove the third, you'd still have a pretty fascinating movie. Like if you just focus on her in Boston with her sister and the the baby coming, and then you see him outside the, the Dean's office after that trip. And is like, I might have to go to the military school. It, that, that beat still works. You don't need to see Paul Giamatti do mm-hmm. his thing inside. Cause you still have that connection between those two characters. Um, I, 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 and same if you just focus on her and Paul Giamatti, like there's still an arc there for the two of them. And I, I think that's something that you don't get to see too often. I think that's what makes this film work well is that it's not mm-hmm. just two characters learning to, to 
learning to live their lives together. It's three people changing their changing each other's lives and being connected in that way, which you don't get to see too often. Usually it's just focused in on two and here you have it as a, as a trio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the last thing I have to bring up about the movie is all the little details that were kind of strewn about that I think tell a much or at least point to like either a much larger story or a much deeper part of the story than what we get. So like an example of this and the one that I think like made me like uh, affected me the most was for Christmas, Paul Giamatti's character gives uh, the other two main characters gives them both the, the, uh, the book meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Mm -hmm. I put that book in my shopping cart on Amazon. Yeah, it's in mine too. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a played for laughs because he gives it to he gives it to Angus and he's like this is my Bible this is my everything this is really good and you're like ah what a quirky guy and then he gives it to Divine Divine's character and you're like oh you he's just like you're just giving this out to anyone but then when he's packing his office up you see a yeah. box of them and the implication at least for me was that he was ready to give these out to gifts to a lot of people but had no one to gift it to until now. Which like that that, that does hit. I I just read it as he just get like he just he just he that's just his go to gift. Um, <laughs> I mean I like that. So either way, it's a good detail. Were there like mm-hmm. any was there any little thing like that for you guys that you were like yeah yeah that's like a good detail. I mean if not, this is a very very specific question. <laughs> uh, f- for me, <sighs> I'm trying to think. I have mine if you want me to give you some time. Okay, so mine is kind of like, it's a, it's, I forget the word, but like, uh, Tully. Yeah. They have him help the the kid when he has the nightmare and he wets the bed. Mm Mm-hmm. And up until that point, Tully just seems like a normal teenager, like any of the other ones. But then he helps that kid and he's like, look... I'll help you hide the sheets in the morning before the other kids see this. Like, just try to find a dry spot. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Just go back to bed. And it's one of those things where it's like, this guy seems like a jerk like everyone else, but he's helping this kid in this moment that usually, the you know, like a kid would get torn apart for by his peers. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, like, looking back on it in that scene after they reveal the whole thing with his dad, it's like, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Because he's dealt with that, you know, he's probably dealt he's probably dealt with that type of behavior before, so it's not uncommon. It's like, hey, this person just needs help. He, he's probably he probably was that kid. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good deed. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of one, but I I can't. I think another. I mean, I'll I can fill sure. in another one that I just loved was when he got the tree. Oh yeah, for Christmas, and it's just like sitting there, just so, like floppy on the table, and then like, yeah, he's like, "We'll find ornaments," and then like a, a cut second later, they like yeah. have ornaments on it, like they found them. Yeah, like yeah, like four and yeah. like a half thing of garlic. My favorite, my favorite part it. about the Christmas tree was that he just gets it on Christmas Day, and it's like, yeah, they're seventy five percent off. Like, what? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, who's buying them today? The fact that it was open was incredible to me too. Yeah. Ugh. Cool. Well, anything else on this movie, guys? That's all I've got. This movie. One thing. Mm-hmm. This movie has. I don't want to say that this kid's career is hurt by this. Not the main one. One of the other kids. Okay. But this is now twice that I've seen a youth actor. And I have a, like, they played their role of a bully too well that I don't, that I don't know if I could like him in any other role. Oh, no. (laughs) And I think I know who you guys are. And I, uh, I believe, I'm looking at IMDb, I believe it's uh, Bradley Hepner. Oh, yeah. Uh, Teddy, the one that has, like, the sunburn on his face when he gets back from, uh, uh, from skiing. Mm Mm-hmm him he plays the bully and just the complete like entitled jerk too well in this movie um that he he goes in a category with the redhead kid from the first season of stranger things that is like okay so alan remember when we went to the harrisburg comic-con and i got okay the kid sitting next to him from stranger things that yeah. was him. And and I asked Kristen, I was like, hey, I got I got the teacher's autograph. Do 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 you want me to get his too so we get two people from the show? And she literally said, I hate his character too much, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, and I was like, Oh, okay. Because like I kind of feel the same way about it, but it was one of those things where it was like I still thought it'd be kind of cool to do that, but I'm like that. Eh, it's okay. And I did kind of feel bad for him because he was just sitting there. Like, no one was in his line. Yeah. <laughs> no one was... Oh. It's a sign so of I really I hope that, that this, that, like, this kid can, like, do something to remove himself from that role, at least for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure all the kids in this are going to be cast in Marvel or DC projects here soon. So. Oh, yeah, they'll get snapped up 100%. Yeah. All right. Is that all we got for the holdovers? All right. That's all I got, well, man. We're going to hold over the rest of the conversation until next week. Um, <laughs> next week is my pick. Um, I th- and we're going to keep going with the Oscar stuff. Um, so next week, I'm going to make you guys watch Oppenheimer for the first time, which yes. is not available to stream for free yet. So pay up. It's still cheaper than going to see it in the theaters. I got it. So, um, but yeah, Oppenheimer will be next week. I thought about doing Barbenheimer, like doing both, but I'm not going to have the energy to do both. If I do, I will. But Bar- uh, Oppenheimer for next week. I've said Barbenheimer so many times. Bartenheimer. I'm sorry. I've said Barbenheimer so many <laughs> times, but Oppenheimer for next week. So. Awesome. Yeah, until then, you can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and listen to You Have to Watch This Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, and then you can also check out all the other Rum Runner Network podcasts at rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com. Um, until next time, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And next week's going to be so good it will curl your toes.